our hearts in a word of prayer together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that we can come to this place today and worship you. Father, we just want to to just say, as we have said in that song we sang a few minutes ago, that yes, Lord, we want to say yes, Lord, today. Yes, Lord, to you coming and doing a, a new work in our hearts. Yes, Lord, that we want to serve you and we want to obey you. We want to, Father, do the work that you have called us to do. Yes, Lord, we want to open our hearts to hear you this day. So we pray, Father, that through your Holy Spirit, Lord, would you now come and would you speak into our hearts. We thank you for this, Father. We seek to be obedient, Lord, to whatever you would say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Back in the 1920s, there was a young African-American child that was growing up in Cleveland. One day, there was a famous athlete that came and spoke at his school. The athlete's name was Charlie Paddock. At that time, Charlie Paddock was known as the fastest human being on earth. He, he ran the fastest mile of any human being on earth. And as Charlie Paddock stood in front of that school and addressed those children, he said to those children, listen, what do you want to do with your lives? What do you want to be? Name it and then pray that God would help you to become it. And this young African-American child went home that day and he said, Mom, Dad, I want to be just like Charlie Paddock. Someday I will be the fastest human being on earth. The next day he went to his coach at the school and he told his coach his dream. And the coach said, well kid, dreams are good. It's great to have a dream. But in order to attain your dream, you have to build a ladder to it. And the coach told him this, to build that ladder, the first rung of the ladder is determination. The second rung of the ladder is dedication. The third rung of the ladder is discipline. And the fourth rung of the ladder is attitude. And with all that motivation, that young man began to train. And he began to practice. And in 1936, at the Berlin Olympics, he became the fastest human being on earth. He broke every Olympic record. And some of the Olympic records that he broke back in 1936, it would take more than 30 years for someone to do better. That young man's name was Jesse Owens. And to this day, people know Jesse Owens for the amazing things that he was able to accomplish in his life. All because he was motivated. All because a man came and spoke at his school when he was a child. And he set his heart and he focused his life to achieve his dream. I want to say to you this morning that focus is important. Focus is important. You can sit outside in the sun and if it's a nice sunny day, you can get a sunburn. The, the, the heat of the, the sun can come down and it can tan you. However, if you take that same sun... And as we know as kids, you get a big magnifying glass and you concentrate the rays of the sun. You can burn stuff with it. You can start fires with it. And if you even focus it even more so, you can take that light and you can turn that light into a laser that can even cut through steel. That is the power of focus. Focus takes what is diffuse. Focus takes what is, is, is everywhere and it brings it down and it makes something that is useful. 
You can take your life, you can live your life, and you can be like just the sun's rays. You can just be going here, you can be going there, you can be just living your life and trying to enjoy it as you go, just unfocused. And you know what? You'll go through life and, and you know, you'll be happy. Or you can take your life and you can focus it. And by doing so, you can make yourself effective for the kingdom of God. And can I say to you, even more than an individual life, that we as a church must decide. We can remain, or a church can be unfocused, just kind of doing its stuff that it's done all the years and, and just kind of, you know, resting on what it's achieved in the past. Or a church can focus its mission and its mandate and it can become effective. Focus is important. What are some examples of poor focus, of bad focus? Well, let me give you a couple. Number one, poor focus is a church that is focused on itself. It's focused on itself. It has the country club mentality. It focuses on power. It focuses on prestige. It focuses on its building. I'm so glad that we have a church and we don't worship the building, right? Because I've been in churches where they do that. That the building is sacred, so you can't have the kids running in the corridors. And you, you can't have events in the building because what happens if we scratch or do something to the carpet? You know, this is a very well-used building. But poor focus is a church that is focused on itself. That it exists just for itself. Another example of poor focus is a church that is focused on its pastor or pastors, as we have a multiple staff here. What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is that we as a church should not focus on us, myself, Pastor Ike, Pastor Pete. I mean, we are not your focus because we are human beings, and as human beings, we will let you down. Eventually, we will let you down. You cannot please everyone all the time. And a church that focuses on a, on a leader or on a person is a church that at some point will be disillusioned. It will be let down. You don't focus on the pastor. You don't focus on yourself. Poor focus is a church that focuses on its numbers. Now, let me tell you, we're a big church. I mean, you know, we're over 500 very often. Sometimes we're... we're darn close to 600. And for a church in a small town, that's big. I mean, if this church were in Toronto, we would be a mega church, right? I mean, for such a small community to have such a big church, that's impressive. But you know what? It's easy to look at the numbers to see how full the building is and it starts saying, well, we must be doing everything right. We must be doing okay. We've got a lot of people, so, so we're doing a good job. You don't focus on numbers, though. King David was told not to take a census of the people, but he went ahead against God's wishes, and he did it every way, anyway, and he counted all of his fighting men. Why did he do it? Because he wanted to rest on the strength of the people as opposed to the strength of God. It's not numbers that are important. What's important our people. It, or it's, it, it, it's not people. It's God that we focus on. And so we don't just assume that we're doing a great job because we have a full church. That's not our focus. Poor focus is a church focused on itself. It's numbers. It's 
pastor. And lastly, poor focus is a church that's focused on you. The church doesn't exist for you. I'm not trying to minimize your needs. But you don't come to church simply to get your needs met. I hope you don't anyways. You come to church to worship God. And in worshiping God and of giving yourself to Him, you also receive. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all this other stuff, this stuff that you need, it will be given to you as well. But that's not your focus. Your focus isn't getting your stuff met. Your focus is upon putting God first in your life. That the church doesn't exist. I mean, we're not a church that, you know, I'm going to shop around, I'm going to go to this church, and if I don't like the worship, I'll go to this church, and if I don't like it, I'll go over here and I'll try this, and I'm just going to walk around and wait until some church will do everything just for me. You know what? That's not how we are as a church. We believe that God comes first, and when we come to church, it's for Him. It's not about us. What is proper focus? Proper focus is kingdom-focused. We seek to be a kingdom-focused church. So what does a kingdom-focused church look like? Well, let's go back to the early church and see what it did, see what it was focused upon. As you've seen in this video, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says this, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. Then fear came over everyone, and many, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. All the believers were together, and they had everything in common. They sold their possessions and their property and distributed the proceeds to all as anyone had a need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple courts, and they broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having the favor with the people. And every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. The early church was a focused church. What was it focused on? It was focused on four things. And those four things all start with an E. And those four things also happen to be in our mission statement. So, without looking at the front cover of your bulletin, because that would be cheating, what is our mission statement? Why do we exist? We exist for the four E's. Number one, to exalt God, to embrace one another, to equip for service, to extend the kingdom. Now humor me, I want you to do some ham signals with me so you won't forget these, okay? We exist to exalt God. We exist to embrace one another. We exist to equip for service, and we exist to extend the kingdom. Okay, let's do that again. We exist to exalt God, embrace one another, equip for service, and extend the kingdom. Exalt God, embrace one another, equip for service, extend the kingdom. You got it? There will be a test. (laughs) What does this passage say? This passage says this, that the church grew through equipping. It starts off in this passage by saying this, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. 
they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. In other words, this was a church that was taught. This was a church that was discipled. What does discipleship mean? Discipleship means that you are becoming more like Jesus. Discipleship means that you are learning. And by learning, you are being transformed so that more and more and more you represent, you look like Jesus Christ. If you were to go to to Texas, to San Antonio, you could visit the Alamo. Anyone here ever visited the Alamo before? I've never been there myself. But it's said that when you go into the Alamo, they have a whole bunch of pictures of the people that fought, you know, that last fight in the Alamo, that gave their lives for freedom. And there's this one key character, a guy by the name of uh, John, James Butler Bonham. And there's a picture up on the wall. And underneath, there's this inscription. And this is is what the inscription says. It says, James Butler Bonham. No picture of him exists. This portrait is of his nephew, Major James Bonham, who has greatly resembled his uncle. It is placed here by the family so that people may know the appearance of the man who died for their freedom. In other words, here's a picture of a guy that looks like the guy that fought in the Alamo. We want you to know what this guy looked like, this person who died for your freedom. The world is looking for a portrait of Christ. And can I say something? The media is presenting us with something that doesn't look like Jesus. The media says, this is what religion is like. This is what Christianity looks like. And it's an ugly, ugly picture. But it's up to us as his church to so represent Jesus to the world around us that when people look at us, they will say, oh, that's what Christianity means. That's what Jesus was really like. That's our job. In order to be discipled, you have to be trained. So we as a church in the coming months are going to be having a number of training courses. We have a parenting course, as you've already heard in the announcements, that's being offered next week. It's going to be during the 9.15 to 10.15 time slot. It's a course on parenting by Andy Stanley called Parental Guidance Required. Why a course on parenting? Because, I mean, I don't know about you, but... When we had our children, you know, it's not like you pick up your kid at the hospital and they give you a big manual with it saying, you know, just read through the manual and do everything it says. No, this is our manual for parenting. And the problem is, is that most of us kind of muddle through parenting, you know, trying to figure things out as we go, making a lot of mistakes along the way. We can learn from the wisdom of other people. So if you are a parent, if you are a parent, whether you are a parent of very young children or you are a parent of older children or you are a soon-to-be parent, this course would be very helpful to you. We encourage you to come out 9.15 next Sunday, Young Adult Room, and take advantage of this course. It's being offered for you to help you as a parent to be the best parent you can possibly be. Now, I've had people say to me before, yeah, Pastor Steve, I know 9.15, it would be a good course, but... 9.15 is really early. You know, I I have a hard time just getting out to the 10.45 service. Now, I find it also unusual that these are the same people who drop their kids off, though, at 9.15. So it doesn't seem too early for the kids. You know, I'm amazed at the fact that parents will bring their kids to the church at 9.15 so that they can be taught. 
while you go to Tim Hortons. Now, what do you think you're communicating to your child? And do you think that's a good thing that you should be communicating to your child? In other words, you need to grow, I don't. We all need to grow. We all need to learn. And I tell you what, what I want to communicate to my kid is that, you know what? If you're in a class, I'm in a class. I mean, if you need to learn, man, I need to learn too. Because I haven't arrived yet. So I encourage everyone, make use of the classes that are being offered. Then in a few weeks, right after Thanksgiving, starting October 16th, we're going to be having another class. Again, 9.15 to 10.15. And this class is going to be called Membership 101. Take a look up here on the screen. I don't think anyone here has ever played baseball before, right? So I don't think I need to understand, you know, explain to you what the bases mean. But basically over the next coming years, we're going to be offering three different courses in this church. A Membership 101, a Maturity 201, and a Ministry 301. And these classes are going to be to help people grow and be discipled. But the first class is Membership 101. What is that about? Right now, when someone gets baptized in this church, they take a baptism course. And that's good. That's a good thing, to take a baptism course. But what about the people that want to become members that have been baptized, but maybe they've grown up in a church where they don't really understand what baptism is, what the Lord's Supper means, some of the, 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 the key things that we take for granted. People ask, what is this EMMC church? I mean, what is it all about? What does it believe in? And that's what this course is for. This course is a prerequisite for anyone who wants to be baptized. There will be no more baptism course. There will be membership 101. If you want to be baptized, you must take this course. We have baptism uh, the last Sunday in November. Okay, so it's coming up. So if you are planning on being baptized, you need to take this course starting the week after Thanksgiving, all right, for everybody who wants to be baptized. But maybe you're here today and you're thinking, well, you know, I've already been baptized, but I want to become a member of this church. I've come from another church. I've been attending here for, you know, a few months or a few years. I want to become a member. We also would ask that you would take this course. Not that you get baptized again, but just so that you understand what it is that we as a church believe, that you understand our history, that you understand what it is our mission statement means and where are we going as a church, and to understand you know, some of these basic concepts of the faith. So if you are here and you have come from another church and you have been baptized, but you would like to become a member, we would also ask that you take this membership 101 course. So, if you want to become a member, if you want to become baptized, but what about everybody else? You know, I am a member of the church, I've been baptized before, but you know what? I'd like to hear the mission of the church. I'd like to kind of go through again what some of these basic concepts of the faith mean. The course is open for everyone. Anyone who wants to attend, you are more than welcome to come. We're going to talk about the history of the EMMC. We're going to talk about baptism, the Lord's Supper. We're going to talk about our mission statement. It's going to be a four-week class, a great class. Take four weeks and go through and, and you will enjoy this class. Okay? You know, someone pointed out to me a little while ago how couples that have been married for a long time begin to look like each other. Anyone ever notice that? They said that to me and I said, no. But then I started looking around and I said, oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> you know, the longer you live with someone, it's kind of like 
you start taking on the, the, the facial characteristics and the, the expressions, and, and it's just like, you know, it's like, oh yeah, you know, I can, I can see it. The reason for that is because when you abide with someone, when you live with someone for a long time, you get to be like that person. And the same is true in Christianity. The more you abide in Christ, the more you learn of Him, the more you are discipled by Him, the better portrait you're going to be for the world to see Jesus in you. So we encourage you, make use of these classes that are being offered. Number one, the early church was focused. It was focused on equipping. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. But it goes on from there to say this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. To fellowship. The early church was focused on embracing. We as a church want to grow in this area to become a church that embraces fellowship. Now you say, well, what do you mean, Pastor Steve? We're already a very loving church. I know we're a very loving church. And a matter of fact, I believe that community in this church is extremely strong. And the reason community in this church is extremely strong is because, on the most part, we're all family. Everybody knows each other. You've grown up with these people all your life. Heck, they're family, you know? You don't just see them in church. You go to family gatherings, they're there. You know? You're surrounded by these people 24-7. That is a wonderful thing as a church. It's great to come into a place and everybody's family and everyone belongs. But you know what? That's not the case for everyone. It's not the case for us. I remember when we first came into this church, it was just weird. Okay? Let me just say it. It was weird. Because you're talking to someone and you start saying, well, you know, how are you connected? Well, so-and-so is my aunt and so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. And I started thinking when I first came to this church, every person in this church was related to each other. You know, like, like at least a cousin or better, you know, kind of. And it's like everybody is connected except us. And, and that's kind of cool. Except when you're on the outside. Have you ever gone to a family gathering that you weren't invited to? I mean, someone else's family? Try it sometime. It's a lot of fun. Just drive down the road, you see a big gathering, you just show up. Start eating the watermelon, you know, sit down and have a... You know, people start looking at you like, who are you? Like, why are you, why are you eating our food? Oh yeah, we're family. Well, you're not family. It's kind of obvious. Everyone knows each other except you. Can I say that that's what visitors to this church feel like? They feel like they're in visiting a family gathering that isn't theirs. And when they come in, they see people mingling here and talking here and stuff's happening over here and stuff's happening over here. And they're like, hey, nice to meet you. But they're just kind of in the middle. Now, it's not just us. I know there's other people here as well. You see, our greatest strength as a church is also our greatest weakness. The fact that we're family means that it's that much harder for others to fit in. And that's why we're doing small groups. We're doing 
groups so that we can open our homes, that we can invite people to become part of the family. Because in a small group, hopefully it's not just your family gathering. It's this and this and this and this. And they're coming in on equal footing. And they can come and they can get to know people and they can build relationship in a safe way, in a way where people get to know each other and pray for each other. And it's a powerful thing. It's the way we're going to ultimately invite others in to join us. We have four small groups that have been running since the spring. And we have four small groups that are going to be starting this fall, making a total of eight. If you are here and you would like to be a small group leader and you have not been able to make it out to the training events, you know what? That's okay. If you can't come out on a Wednesday night to be trained, I will come to your house and do it for you. I will come and talk to you personally. But we need small group leaders. So if you are open... All I need from you is willingness. If you say I'm willing but I'm not able, that's great. I can take care of the able. All I need from you is the willingness to say I'm willing to open my house and to host a small group and I will help make you able to do it. The early church grew. They focused on the apostles' teaching and fellowship. What else does this passage say? It says that the early church focused on exalting. It says they devoted themselves to breaking bread and prayers. A breaking bread meaning communion and prayers. It says here in this passage that they met not just from house to house. It says here that they also met in the temple courts. In other words, there was a fellowship, a small group aspect, but there was also the large group aspect. What was the temple court? The temple represented the heart of worship for, for Jews. So meeting in the temple courts meant that this was a church that focused on worship. I cannot tell you the importance of worship in your life. Worship is, I believe, the most important thing that you as a Christian can do. If you want to transform your life, if you want to become more like Jesus Christ, the most important thing for you to do is to become a worshiper first. And by worshiper, I don't mean someone who shows up on a Sunday and sits through an hour-long service. I'm saying someone who 24 hours a day, seven days a week, devotes himself to worship. So that no matter what you're doing, you're washing the clothes, you've got music playing, you're singing your songs. You, you're in the office, you're doing your work on the computer, that, man, you've got at least music playing, or at least even you're humming in your head. That you become a worshiper. When you're driving along in your car, you have Christian radio station dialed. This is important. This is such an easy thing to do. I am amazed at the number of people that don't have the Christian radio station on when I get in their car. I cannot tell you how many times in the five-minute drive it takes me to get from my house to this church, how many times I have been blessed just listening to the radio. Just a little thing that was spoken in the five minutes it takes to get here. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. And it just throughout the whole day, I kept going back to that thought. Yeah, that's, that's an important thought. Or a song that's stuck in my head. It's important. Have the radio and just like put it to the Christian station and then, you know, tape it so that you can't touch it. Just leave it there and you will be blessed by that. Have a, have a CD running in your car. Do, you know, have that permeating you. So that all the time you have that kind of positive Im impact, that positive witness going on in your spirit. Become a worshiper. An easy way to do it is to go to Project X. Next week, Project X. Buy your tickets early. They're more expensive at the door. Now, Project X is not going to appeal to everyone. Okay? Personally, I like the music of Cutlass. 
Um, maybe that's not your thing. I know for a lot of the young people it is. And so young people go, attend, you know, make use. Why do you go to a concert? Why is that so important? Why don't you just listen to Cutlass on the radio? Because actually going to an event, you get the environment of the event. And just being in the environment of the event where all these people are worshiping, it's different than church. It's not the same as business as usual. And just being in that environment may open up your spirit that God is able to speak to you in a way that he hasn't before. So make use of events like this. That's individual worship. Individual worship, amazingly important. However, I also believe in corporate worship. That what we do on a Sunday morning is just as important. Why? Because just as God can speak to you and individually worship, God speaks to us as a church through corporate worship. He is able to speak to us, not as individuals, but as a church body. There has been a revival in worship in the last couple of decades. You know what's amazing? If you look back in history, you will see that in every major revival in history, it was not simply a revival in the Word, it was also a revival in worship. You go back to Martin Luther. What was one of the things that Martin Luther did for the church during the Reformation? He gave us a Bible in our own language. Solo Scriptura, only the Bible, so that we could, everybody, open up a Bible and be able to read the Bible in your language. But you know what he also gave us along with the Bible? He gave us a hymnal full of songs that we Mennonites understand the importance of the hymnal, right? The zingsten, the, the sing-along, the, the time when you get together and you just sing and you sing and you sing. It's a powerful, powerful thing. When I was growing up, I mean, I was in high school before I heard my first Christian music artist, Michael W. Smith, The Project. And I remember putting on that tape, because they didn't have CDs back in the day, putting on that tape, and I wore that tape out. That tape was so stretched, and you could hardly listen to it by the... That was all I listened to, because I was allowed to listen to it. <laughs> That's all you had. You go to the Christian music, st- you know, the Christian store... Michael W. Smith, The Project. It was a very short shelf, you know, one tape. Now you go to Cameron's, and there's like a whole section of Christian music. Yeah, I want a Christian a goth with kind of a metal flavor, you know. It's like, what? Are you kidding me? You know, they have so many different authors and so many different kind of genres and styles of music. You can, there's a little bit for everybody. We're spoiled today. There has been a revival in music. And certainly there has been a revival in worship music in this generation in which we live. And you know what? We as a church need to embrace it. We as a church need to say to Henry and we need to say to Aaron and and the new team that's coming up, we need to say, you guys, stretch us. We want you guys to find the very best of the best music, the new music that's coming out. And that's the stuff we want to learn. That song we sang a couple weeks ago, I'm listening to that song all the time now. I, I cannot remember a time when I heard a song for the first time and it so just connected with my spirit. And I said, wow, I was just, I was just thinking that song for weeks afterwards. We need to be encouraging our musicians to lead us into this revival of worship that this generation is seeing and to embrace it and to really allow the worship to change us and to mold us. 
The early church was focused. It was focused on exalting. It was focused on embracing. It was focused on equipping. And lastly, it was focused on exalting. This passage says that the Lord added to their number daily those that were being saved. Listen to that. Don't forget what those words mean. The Lord added to their number daily. They didn't add to their own numbers. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It's God who does the work. Our job is to go and sow. God's job is to make it grow. If we do our part and sow the seed, God will do His part and bring the harvest. But ultimately, it's God's harvest, and it's not our own. I want to encourage you this morning to get involved. To get involved with what God is doing. As I've already said, you don't have to be perfect. All you have to be is willing. All you have to do is say, I want to grow. I want to learn. I want to move forward. I want to be part of what God is doing. Bring up this next slide. It's a picture of our church. Notice the logo underneath it. Does anyone wonder where this logo came from? I mean, have you noticed that in the last couple of years you've seen a lot of this logo? I mean, it shows up on the wall of the church. It shows up, you know, on the front of our bulletin. It's, it's all over the place. Where did this logo come from? I do not remember going to a congregational meeting where we voted on this logo. I do not remember that. I'll tell you where this logo came from. Just after I came here to the church, I was sitting there in my office one day, and I'm thinking to myself, Leamington Evangelical Mennonite Mission Church. That is a long name. You try writing out that name, you know, like on a marriage certificate, the lines are not long enough, you know? You just try to put on all those words. So you just say Leamington EMMC. But what's an EMMC? I've had people from the town ask me, you know, what church are you at? I'm at Leamington EMMC. Oh, huh? What in the world is an EMMC? You know, what is that? It's a long name. You ask other people and they say, what church do you go to? Oh, I go to the EMMC church. Okay. They just leave out the Leamington as if it's not important. So as I was sitting there fooling around with this, I thought, what is it that we want to emphasize? What is our mission as a church? What do you see when you see that logo? I see Leamington. I see down here at the bottom, EMMC. But it's not in big letters. Evangelical Mennonite Mission Church is where we come from. It represents who we are. But it's not where we're going. Leamington, with a cross in the center. That's our mission. That's why we exist as a church. We exist as a church for Leamington. We are not just the EMMC. We are Leamington EMMC. And our mission is to put the cross back in Leamington. To put the cross back in this community that God has placed us in. That's what it means. Remember the story in the Bible where Jesus takes the boat and he goes to the shore and they see a demon-possessed man. A guy that is so full of demons that he runs around naked in the tombs. 
He lives in a graveyard. They try to handcuff him and bind him by irons. But these demons are so strong within him that he's able to break the handcuffs, break the irons, and he just runs around in that state. He's a miserable, he's a poor, he's a defeated man. And we don't know how many years he's been like that. And so Jesus shows up. And the demons immediately recognize who Jesus is. And he casts out the demons and puts them into pigs. And the pigs run down and drown themselves. And this man is there and he's on his knees in front of Jesus. And he says, Jesus, thank you. Oh, I'm going to follow you wherever you go. I'm going to spend the rest of my life living it for you. Because you're the one who set me free. You're the one who saved me. You're the one who's given me back my life. Jesus, I'm just going to do anything you want. Anything you want, Jesus. What do you want me to do? And what does Jesus say to that man? He says in Luke chapter 8, verse 38, The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return home and tell how much God has done for you. And so the man went away and told all over the town, how much Jesus had done for him. What does Jesus say to the man? Listen to this. This is important. He says to him this. If you want to show your love for me in what I have done for you, you go and you tell other people. Because in telling other people about me, you are declaring your love for me. What does Jesus want from us? How does Jesus want us to declare our love for him? By telling other people. By going back to our families, going back to our community, and sharing with them the love of God that has set us free, that has broken our bonds. That's what God wants of us. In a few weeks, it's going to be Thanksgiving. We all know that Thanksgiving traditionally is a time of mission. October is a month of mission that we give the, the offerings that come in above and beyond the regular giving towards mission. And that's a great emphasis that we have as a church. And over the years, we have been able to raise thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars for different missions, for different ministries. And basically, we raise the money, we give it to them, and then they go off and they do min- mission. They do mi- ministry with that money. But this year, we want to do things a little bit differently. This year, we want the emphasis not to be so much just on giving. We want the emphasis to be on going. We want in the coming year for as many people as possible, not simply to give to mission, but to be involved in mission. To Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, to the ends of the earth. That means to the person across the street and also the people around the world. We want this to be a year where you will be challenged to do something, to get involved in some kind of a short-term opportunity. At the Thanksgiving service, we're going to have a, a couple here from Belize, Alex and Leah Perez, and they're going to be sharing with us a little bit of what they're doing in Belize City, working amongst the poorest of the poor in reaching children for Christ. That is a wide open opportunity for us to be involved as a church, not just giving our money to them, but for us actually to go and send people and work with them, to partner with them, not as a one-off, but to kind of come alongside and have them join us as a body and us join them as a mission and to send regular teams 
to have them come here, but also to send people there. We're challenging the church to, in the coming years, send a team down to Belize to work with the inner city kids. Belize is easy for a lot of us. It's a place where a lot of you have come from. It's a place where a lot of you are familiar with. But it's not just that. We also, with a Thanksgiving offering, want to raise money for mission within this church so that if God is placing in you a burden for somewhere in the world in the coming year, whether that, again, is across the street or around the world, that we would have something that we can start to help facilitate you in order to meet that need. And we want to dream big. And I want to stand up here a year from now and be able to report at all that God has been able to do through the last year in terms of being practically involved in mission. You know, the sad reality that if you look at the statistics of North American church growth, the picture is not very good. I was reading recently from C. Peter Wagner. He said that in studies he had done, he found this, that the North American church in North America... Only 1% of the churches in North America grew last year from conversion growth. That means that 99% of the church in North America last year did not grow through people coming to Christ. Oh, there are churches that are growing from people from other churches going in, but only 1% are actually growing through people coming to Christ. He went on to say this, North America is the only continent where Christianity is not growing as a whole. Even in Europe, there are parts of Europe where the church is doing very, very well, but not in North America. In a church that is one to three years old, it takes, so a church that that has just been planted and is one to three years old, it takes about three people to reach one person for Christ. In a church that is four to seven years old, it takes seven people to win one person to Christ. And in a church that is more than 10 years old, it takes 85 people to win one person to Christ. And the reason for that is because very often the older a church gets, the more ingrown it becomes and the more the vision focuses off the community and onto itself. We want to be focused as a church. We want to be focused in the mission that God has given to us. Today is 9-11. I don't have to tell you what 9-11 means. Where were you 10 years ago when you heard about what was happening? Do you remember? I, hear, I see a lot of people nodding. I remember exactly where I was. I was sitting in my office at the church in St. Catharines. Someone came into the office. I said, Steve, you've got to come out here and watch the TV. I went out, and we spent the whole day just watching what was unfolding in New York. Ten years ago, a small group of individuals gave their lives in an act of hatred that forever changed the world as we know it. You don't believe that? Try flying. (laughs) I have to fly to Winnipeg tomorrow. 
I have to go through all kinds of different procedures now because of 9-11. But you know what? Many, many years before 9-11, one man who not in an act of violence but in an act of love gave himself, Jesus Christ, on the cross. And because of that act, history is forever different. The world is forever a different place because of Jesus Christ. In the early church, a small group of disciples, a group of illiterate fishermen and tax collectors, a small group gave themselves, gave their lives, not in an act of violence, but in an act of love. And because of their sacrifice, in one generation, the entire Roman world was changed. There is power in focus. It is amazing to think of what a small group they lay down their life what God can accomplish through them. Just pray for us as a church in the coming days. This year that we will be able to look back and say this is a year that we followed our mission. This is a year where we followed the mandate. This is a year where we saw people come to Christ. Just as we end our service today, I just, uh, before we conclude and pray, um, I'm going to ask if uh, Willie and Susie Nelson, they're here today, They've, and if with Vanessa, could you bring her up please to the stage? We're going to have a time of prayer for them as a church. Um, They've been going through a, a storm of their own recently. And um, having a child that is sick is probably the worst thing, as any parent knows, that can ever happen to you. We as a church want to stand with them and we want to pray for them and we just want to bless them. And uh, pray God's complete healing and, and just pray that, that God would continue to do a great thing in their lives. You guys want to say something? I mean, I know I don't want to throw this on you, but uh, but how are you feeling these days, and how's it going? <laughs> Here's a microphone. Yeah, we just want to thank everybody for all your support. You've made things a lot easier for us. I'm going to ask that we as a church stand like to ask if you feel comfortable with it, you can just extend your hand, you can just show in whatever way you would like to, just that, that we're, we're wanting to bless them and we want to bless the family. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord God, for your blessing. And Father, we thank you that you are concerned with every aspect of our lives. And Father, we just want to pray right now for the Nelson family, for Willie and Susie. And we want to pray, Lord, your strength and your, your just perseverance upon them as they have been through a tough time. And, uh, and it's not over yet. And so, Father, we want to pray for complete healing as well for Vanessa. We pray, Father, that from the very top of her head to the very sole of her feet, that, Lord God, you would heal every cell, that, Father, you would completely restore and completely return to, to just the state of perfection that you created her to be. And so, Father, we do pray, Lord God, that through your word and, and in, in accordance with your love, Father, that you would bring healing. We pray, Father, as well, just for continued peace and that you would continue to meet all the Nelson's needs. We pray, Father, for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys.
ask the worship team to come up and lead us in a closing song. You, you can stay standing if you want, or you can be seated until they get up here, then you'll just have to stand anyways.